Welcome to Trans Canada, an exploration of Canadian music. This is episode two, and my name is Jesse Bennett, your host. Simply put, this is a podcast about songs and the stories behind them. We're going to meet old pals, we're going to meet new pals. We're going to laugh and cry as we probe their history and rummage through their inspirations. Where? In Canada, you guessed it. But less talk, more rock. Well, more appropriately, more talking about rocking. Formed in 2015, Toronto's Lillum are a nasty-ass, sludgy dose of feminist metal. Equal parts ripping punk, equal parts swamp water doom. Kirsten White, holy shit, where to begin? Toronto artist slash freelance producer slash bicycle gang enthusiast slash feminist champion slash no bullshit artist slash sweetheart. Of all her projects, this one is by far the loudest. I met up with her in my living room in Toronto. What do you get about my hair right now? I'm a little jealous. I just, I've been hesitant to wear it down. Yeah. And But until recently, now I'm just owning it. Yeah. It's a lot though, it comes out. Yeah, it's because you got the natural curls. I used to pay for those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I used to have a perm like in grade 10. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. a good look. Um, Kirsten, hi, how are you? I'm good, Jesse Bennett. How are you? I am well. I'm doing really well. It's a nice Sunday. We are in my. Where my living room? Yeah. My living room studio. This is kind of a... We're trying this out. Regardless, Kirsten White plays in Lilum and has done so many other things. <laughs> this is just the most recent uh, endeavor yeah. in a lot of ways. And I guess the first kind of question I was thinking to get into is talking about like the art history of Kirsten White. I know that might sound a bit pretentious. <laughs> okay. But, uh, like, kind of all these things you've been up to over the years that may have led to this project. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess, like, initially, art school kind of happened. So I went to OCAD and did my bachelor in fine arts, which was friggin' totally useless. OCAD's alumni includes familiar names like Mary Margaret O'Hara, The Group of Seven, Michael Ironside, and politician Olivia Chow. The school was founded in 1876 as the Ontario School of Art. It changed its name to the familiar Ontario College of Art and Design in 1996, and in 2010, it became officially known as OCAD University. It led to doing like mental health and physical disability artwork that uh, I used to teach at the Center for Addiction and Mental Health. Okay. So when I finished university, due to the programming I had like made for C for KMH. Um, like a couple private facilities kind of went after me and offered me jobs. So I started working dual diagnosed, with dual diagnosed adults, making art for them. Cam H, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, has locations across Toronto's West End. According to its website, Cam H was founded in 1998. And since then, doctors and researchers at the center have made major contributions to the understanding and treatment of mental health. I volunteered for them for two, two or three years. And dual, di sorry, dual diagnosis? Dual diagnosed adults are people who have mental health and physical disability issues okay. all combined into one. Up until recently, like, the Canadian government just sort of looked at them as, like, we'll put it in brackets, crazy people. Like, they okay. couldn't really see the difference. So a lot of these people put, were put into really intense institutions that finally started sort of breaking down in the 80s and 90s. Mm -hmm. So all these like private healthcare facilities to deal with all of these special needs adults have started started popping up. Um, and I went to work at one of them. Um, they had, uh, when I worked at the Center for Addiction, if something happened, if a client got aggressive, you got to go into the middle room and orderlies came out and dealt with it. Orderly is like the, the whole white suit, with like one flew or the cuckoo's nest, <laughs> yeah, the totally. whole deal. You're like, and it, like the alarms go off and you went into the middle. 
Um, and when I was working there, that never happened, but that was always like, that was the protocol. Something did happen. Uh-huh. And um, when I went and worked at this other facility, it was therapeutic holds. And like, you can't see me right now because this is a podcast, but I'm 5'3 and like 125 pounds. So, um, when, a, f- a very strong. I'm a strong 5'3, yeah. yeah. But in comparison to somebody who's, you know, 3'10 and 5'10, it's. Uh, it was a little difficult to deal with like the aggression that you kind of came into contact with working in that, in that facility. So after about a year, I got really badly beaten, unfortunately by one of my people that I served and decided that it was like, not for me anymore. Um, that in the fact that you couldn't make a difference or it was just, I just got scared. I would have like crazy nightmares about like dying at work and it was every day it was like if there was like a spooky sound or like somebody come up would come up quickly behind me like I'd never really been on the receiving end of violence sure like to be aggressed against in that way until I started working there and so I don't think I ever really understood what it would be like to be punched in the face (laughs) until I worked there yeah Yeah, it sucks big time very disarming and it's a power removal and sure I mean like as an aside like I feel it's one of those things getting punched in the face it sucks and I've been on both sides of it uh but it's one of those things you kind of need to know (laughs) like I'm I'm glad I know what that feels like yeah same yeah it's like oh okay so I don't yeah I know what that is when I land that and I will not do that yeah (laughs) Or or avoid having that done to me And I think that was a huge, like, turning point in my own life because I was pretty angry up until then, like, a pretty aggressive person. And when that kind of put me in my place to be a little bit more empathetic and open and understanding of others around me because I was, I had been so affected by something that I couldn't be blind to everybody else anymore. Sure. So I think in that moment is probably when I readdressed like how I treated people and how I interacted in society and where I sit and what like what privileges I have and I think that in some way sort of led into the project now and then like after that was you know meeting meeting the deadly nightshades which is my arts and bikes collective it's a group of women and before that I really didn't have girlfriends Mm -hmm. like it was very hard for me to connect with women because I think I was just like way too closed off like I was way too tightly wound Mm -hmm. and so that aggression that aggressive moment that happened at work and then meeting women who were ready to like be like cautious and calm with me and like let me come out of my shell okay and let me start making the kind of weirdo artwork I'd always wanted to make yeah I'm full disclosure I know some of these women yeah in in question (laughs) and uh I'll attest that they will they will be enablers when it comes to weird art projects. (laughs) (laughs) They initiated me into their gang after about a year and a half of knowing me, which was like, was one of those very, I couldn't believe that a bunch of bad bitches like that wanted to be my friend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And uh, and then we, you know, did art spins. An art spin is a contemporary art tour on bikes where Kirsten, along with her fellow Deadly Nightshades, would contribute large-scale installations, host parties, and make movies combining bikes and fashion. And it was nice to have a gr- like more than one person helping you do this because when you dream big, it's actually you need a lot of bodies and hands to help make those things. Yeah. And you got to learn how to share, share ideas, share space. Oh yeah, share responsibilities. Share responsibilities. Oh, that's a hard one. I'm still working on that one. Yeah. Also, a good intro to what band life is like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Um, okay, so Lilum, this is your first band, your first venture into music. Period. Uh, yeah. And I guess we're on the cusp of how that came about. 
Well, you had something to do with it. Me? Yeah. Oh. In the sense that I always listened to heavy music and I always really liked punk and thrash and hardcore, mm. but never felt very comfortable to go out into that scene and go see go see shows. Like punk points are a real thing and people can be quite snobby. And I for, suppose for like a for a group of people who are supposed to be the down and out underdogs rooting for everybody, they sure as heck don't make it easy to to get in and sure. like talk and and meet people. Um, so when you started Teeth Marks and Cat was you know what my wife, your girlfriend, mm -hmm. uh, decided you know we were going to go to I should come to these shows with her because I would have a good time was when I finally felt comfortable to go because I knew you and I knew Graham. Right. And I felt like I could actually come to a show and say hello to people, and it was like proxy for through punk points. Like, well, I didn't see that. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? He's in a hundred bands. I'll never forget some of the greatest heckles. And yeah. Like, like, whatever, take your pants. I'm like, jeez, like, that was definitely Kirsten. I'll bet, I'll bet twenty dollars that was Kirsten. Yeah, and so you start going to these things, and obviously through going to see Tease Marks, and I got to see a whole bunch of other bands that I'd never, mm -hmm. never heard of, and just kept going and going and met Marty um, and ha obviously had like a huge crush on Marty for a long time. Yeah, well, who doesn't? That's that's yeah. kind of his thing. Yeah, he's You know, like, you, you had that initial like party Marty uh, just connection. Yeah. And he had to you take a while to look over that. you in the eyes. You know, you want him to sparkle eye at you. It's very sparkly in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I would complain to him a lot. We'd like go to shows and mm -hmm. I just kind of didn't really see that many women out and I did, maybe I just didn't get to meet them yet because now I'm finding that there are way I, at least there's always one other woman on the bills I play which is nice yeah um so I just wanted to do something that I didn't I hadn't really seen anywhere else yet I wanted to do music that was hard but that had a very like clear uh feminist and uh, inclusivity message but at the same time like it's still angry and it's still violent and I don't think there should be anything I don't think I should have to like limit myself and try to make it so sweet and accessible just because I'm also preaching equality like there's still anger within equality so there was that and then also like I don't really know how to make music and heavy music is way easier it's not easier to make but it's definitely easier I feel if as a lead singer to start it off trying to do that because no one can really hear you yeah <laughs> you can't really like Fuck it up too bad. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, you can always have just big open notes and yelling over top of it, and it's still going to be pretty great. Yeah. So I just, I mean, obviously wanted it to not suck that much. And so, it doesn't. It's quite good. Thanks, bud. No problem. So I just kind of got everyone together, and um, I, of course, as you know, like things in a very certain way and like to be very efficient, and, mm -hmm. and Aaron had to kind of tell me, like, I needed to chill the fuck out on that and just, like, groove with it which is a hate a word I really don't like because it equates to like releasing power and I guess I hadn't really looked at like my own need to hold power on things until I really started in a band with people who I'd never really been creative with before mm -hmm. so the point of that was I think it was good to have Aaron there because he definitely helped me f navigate the first couple of months of just like jamming and f putting myself into a group of musicians that had already played together. Sure, just kind of showing you the basic ropes of, like, this is what it is to be in a band. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? They, they might not move as quickly, definitely, as you would have. Oh, you know, man. Music it. is so, so slow. Oh, it's it can be painstakingly uh, slow sometimes. Yeah, it's like the slowest 
art I've ever been a part of. Like for, 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 for what you produce, like at the end of the day, it's like, oh, that took, that took a year to get that together to make that EP or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And then you're so friggin' tired of playing those eight or 12 songs. By the time that that comes out, you're like, can we just please make, only play new mm. stuff only? Yeah. No, um, it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a learning curve because the guys are always telling me to kind of relax a little bit where I'm like, world tour, and they're like, let's play within a four-hour drive of Toronto. I'm like, that's fair. Okay, I can see what you're saying. <laughs> world tour, yeah. Japan first, <laughs> Brazil, all of Europe. Uh, <laughs> how, about, how about Thunder Bay? Yeah, Hamilton uh, seems awesome yeah. this time of year. <laughs> Hamilton, Guelph, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, golden horseshoe around there. Yeah. Oshawa, if you're going to venture that far Yeah, well, under the, what is it, the burrito place there? No, oh. Indian place. I've seen you play there, saw Hamolka play there. In Oshawa? Yeah, I drove with you guys. Oh, the atria? Is it the one that's like down the stairs and the ceilings are really low? Oh no, that's Ajax. Ajax that's uh, oh. the Roti, the Roti Palace, My which bad. is now no longer, unfortunately. That was a great venue for oh, rest of rest so of peace. Ajax. I don't think it had much else going on, Ajax. Um, well let's get now into these songs, if you don't mind. Sure. Let's let's talk about each one. Um Suku? What is that? Suck you? Suck you? I didn't know how to pronounce it. I knew I was going to dive into that and flub it. That's S- okay. S-U-C-U? Yeah, so it's like succubus, the beginning. It's the... in A succubus is like somebody who comes and just takes from you, like a woman demon spirit. And they kind of seduce men and then, you know, either I just, sorry, kill them I or... I just heard like 80s like, woman demon, <laughs> yeah. my soul. Okay, sorry, go on. Yeah, I guess a couple years ago, uh, I dated a guy that um, really painted me as this evil woman at the end of everything he he felt hurt and betrayed because I didn't want to really date him anymore and facing somebody calling you like essentially telling you that you're being abusive was like a really hard thing to take and hard to understand when you were just trying to get out of a situation that wasn't healthy for you and wasn't healthy for them um and so that song kind of is just a little bit of an homage to if you're going to essentially paint me in this light then I will then I will sing about being painted in this light so the song is about like you choosing to be here and you choosing to be with me yet being confused when you seem to fall down the, the rabbit hole or seeming to be confused when I grab you by the neck and pull you in the blackness like you and I both know what this is. You and I both know this isn't healthy and I'm trying to get out, but you won't let me. And if you're going to paint me this way, then I'm going to be this way. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, next track. Can't, can't change what people think of you, you know, no matter how hard you try. <laughs> <laughs> like, you really can't. Even if you say it in rational <laughs> and honest ways, people still, if they're hurt, you know, they'll lash out and say some pretty shitty things to you. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we've all been on both sides of that, I'm oh, sure. For sure. Um... Next track, Prettiest Girl. Um, my, f- I think my favorite just because of the breakdowns and it's it's the heaviest and the cl- like. I got, I'm very heavily influenced by Code Orange. I wish everything I made sounded like Code Orange. Okay. Obviously, it's not. We're not. Don't have. As Aaron says, we don't have eleven thousand dollars worth of gear, so I need to readjust my expectations. Sure, or to spend that money in the studio. Yeah, I do <laughs> that kind of time. Um, Prettiest Girl f- is about being painted in a certain light as a woman and being required to act uh, you know pretty smart cool interesting 
uh, beautiful all the time and never really getting to be yourself and, and f trying to find love through acting like this woman you're supposed to be but never actually getting to be a true woman and how that kind of kills you on the inside. The expectations of, of what it is to be a cool girl or a bad bitch and how hard those can be um, on women trying to do it all. I think the I think the the cast like the the gender cast and the, and what we're supposed to be is still painted a pretty askew, you know. Like I'm supposed to be cool with you being shitty to me, and I'm at the same time supposed to be really sexual, and I'm still at the same time supposed to appease you in some in the kitchen, and I'm supposed to like hold your hand when you're sad, but I don't like who I am and what I am is just objectified, and I'm not actually a person. So that's what that song's about. Uh, Soot is. Uh, about uh, rape. I mean, I recently went through my own, um, I, not recently, wasn't rape, but re recently kind of did that thing where you realize, I think, as you become more and more woke as a woman, for lack of a better word, you realize a lot of the, even the microaggressions against you on a sexual level are not things that you wanted. I think I did a lot of things in my early 20s and, and up until my mid-20s that I did to please men and not necessarily for me and some stuff reached over into that abuse area. Um, and so that song also was like heavily inspired by, by the issue, like by uh, John Gameshi and, and his trial. So, um, you know, you better snuff me out. You better, you, you pretty much better kill me because if you treat me like this, I'm gonna come back and, and bury you. Like, if you're gonna mistreat me, then you better end it because and that's the violence I talk about. That's the anger. And I sometimes get a little nervous about being that angry and being that and, and speaking that violently. Like, obviously, I would never go and actually hurt someone like that. Mm -hmm. But when somebody hurts me like that, I do feel that way. I do have that rage. Um, and it's hard to it was really hard to find anywhere to channel it before I started this band. Horror Show, the next track. Horror Show is a really difficult one for me. Um, it's it's about land rights, and um, as I learn more and more uh, about my privilege as a white person, and, and recognize, um, you know, this is not our land, and and we are on land that was stolen from people who were he living here and were here living peacefully for a long time. Um, I'm tr trying to reconcile as a as a white person um, what what it means to be on this land. Um, and I didn't know if I really had a right to write about this stuff because I am white. Um, so in the first verses, I, I, I talk about, I speak, of, I speak within the first person as if um, it's somebody being stolen from their bed at night to be taken to one of the residential schools. To listeners who are not from Canada, and unfortunately a lot of listeners who are from Canada, residential schools were a network of boarding schools for Indigenous peoples, funded by the Canadian Department of Indian Affairs and run by Christian churches. They were created with the explicit purpose of removing Indigenous children from their families and culture and assimilating them into the dominant Canadian culture. They existed for more than 100 years, and about 30% of Indigenous children walk through their doors. At least 6,000 of these students are estimated to have died while residents. In 2005, the Canadian government announced a $1.9 billion compensation package to benefit former students. For more information on the history of the residential school program, you can go to wherearethechildren.ca. Um, and then I speak in the second part, which is all at the thrash part, I speak to what we have done and how we have decimated the First Nations community within Canada and how we've left them sick and displaced within their own land. And at the end, I call out Canada for essentially, like, how can we call ourselves Canada? Like, this is not our space. And, it, and we owe in reparation and we owe in um, 
in listening now. We should we sh we no longer sh we can't take any more from this land. We need to start listening to the First Nations people who were here before us. I'm very um, still new into learning about. You know, there are like hundreds of tribes just within our First Nations communities, and each tribe has their own oral history and 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 what they've you know how they've traveled across this land, where they came from originally. It's it's fascinating, and it's some of our oldest history. And you know, you don't really get to know about it because it's not written; it's oral. So just trying to seek out um, more information and and just to sit and learn, so that I'm I'm you know not an ignorant piece of shit mm -hmm. to the to the to the earth I stand on every day. That's what that song's about. See it burn. See it burn. Uh, and I think that's my second or first favorite song too. It's a ripper. Marty really wrote some amazing riffs for this this little ditty. Yeah, yeah. Um, See it burn, uh, burning down the right and crushing the patriarchy. Um, essentially, I think we've all been heavily affected by what happened south of the border uh, in, over the last year and a half, two years. It's just like, it's to the point where you can't, I feel like, I can't even understand how we got here, how we went so far back and why I'm doing, like why I spend time listening to podcasts to learn about the best places to like pay attention to white power groups so I know where they are and how to avoid them. Like yeah, that's how's so- that, How has that even become a thing even here now? Like it's, everything's like, who, they, what? Yeah, like where showed those, up to a show and- come from? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> 44 Fest. You know those people? Do I know? <laughs> yeah, 44 Fest uh, that, uh, Pete Schnicks, Schnicks, I don't know how to say his name. He put on, Marty played, we went, he was nice enough to get us backstage. And some dude got up and started, or he was like yelling Jewish slurs in the middle of of a set. And it was like, what is going on? Anyways, see, Burn is just a call out to, call out to all those like-minded people to stand together and just not take it anymore. And like, we don't need to, like you fight the patriarchy first, you fight the capitalism second, and, and you burn down the right third. Like, I'm not saying all people with right-wing mentality are shitty humans, but I'm just saying the, the better, like the larger system that you stand for right now is, can we can only see the super backwards, super fucked up people right at the front. Like, go, like come get your boy. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, come get Trump. Where the hell are white people? Where are, where are we? Come get your boy. Like, yeah. get him off the stage. Yeah. How did you get here? He's really drunk. He's been here for way too long. Yeah. He's offending everybody. <laughs> yeah. No one wants him here. And no one's going to get him. Yeah. Yeah, no one's, so yeah. I, I would like to burn him down. And that's that's what that song's about. I like it. Uh, fight and fuck. This seems pretty on the nose, but maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> no, pretty much about getting mine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is the only song I really wrote. I like literally sang song it to Marty. And he was like, really, dude? I was like, do it. Let's make it. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes, they, I find, you know what, to be honest, as a sexual woman, as somebody who like really fucking loves sex, like, mm. and loves, loved it, has loved it for a long time, and who kind of hides that from people, like I don't normally talk about it, I like to get mine. And I like when I'm with a partner that will, will not necessarily like fetishize me, but I like to feel like, like my clit is the most amazing clit that's ever been licked. And that you want to be there and that you want to be, that the, maybe some sort of like gender roles can be reversed in that moment. Like, you, not that you need to be subservient to me, but I definitely like, I like a little bit of power in that situation. And I like when somebody meets it back. And so there's this like fighting and fucking and fighting and fucking. So you're like back and forth with this person. A lot of people are like, oh man, it's violent. Like, what do you, why are you condoning violence with sex? And I'm like, no, that's what? not what that song is about. That song. Well, some people got to calm the fuck down. Yeah. Hey, I would argue. Yeah. 
But you know what, people take music for however they take it and then you're stuck defending it either way in some, in oh, some that, cases. That, that, it seems like you're taken back to worrying what people think about you. Yeah, which is like a thing that I think I used to really think about and now it's like just you'll make it, you'll put it out there and if someone doesn't like it and they say something then either I can take the time to defend it or I can ignore it. Like I don't need to engage every fucking troll no. out there. No. And people like to troll you. Like people troll the Lilum site a lot. Like I'll really? get like weird little comments, like especially with that cover I did where I'm all naked and covered in, in glitter and sure. have like black bullet holes everywhere. Weird messages from dudes oh. being like, how can you say you're a feminist when you pose nude on the cover of your album? And I'm like, cause I fucking took the photo. Mm. I art directed the whole thing. And that's my body, mm -hmm. and I chose to put it there. That's the difference. Like mm -hmm. the, the gaze is what is the difference. Mm -hmm. I hate having that argument. It's just like I just literally wish they would just explode like fiery burning bodies, just like. And the last track, uh, "Walk Left, Stand Right." This is one of my favorite titles for a song. I love it. I, and I remember hearing that song or that you wrote that song, and I was pissed because I swore I wrote that title. Like, oh, really? I wrote that for a song <laughs> for like years ago that never came to fruition. So, continue. oh, stealing the Jesse Bennett ideas That's it. See, coming you, into your brain. Once it's out in the ether, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It's like if I have an idea, I often I'm like, whoa, I want to, I want to like bring it back into my head. I'm Maybe, like, no, you're not ready yet. Yeah. You're undercooked. <laughs> Maybe it's because we were in the same jam space, so it just like moved into my body. That's and it. I That's stole it. it from you. From the Nag Champa incense that lights, <laughs> it uh, goes through the smoke, and you come in like, oh, what's that? It's oh, like, I, I just bent idea directly, <laughs> like right into my body. Some evil spirit metal soul. That's right. That's yeah. right. Uh, walk left, stand, stand right is my general frustration with common sense. I, uh, so as it, like, this was one of the first songs we ever wrote. And when Marty and I sat down to kind of talk about what I wanted to write about, I was told him this thing and kind of in private, but I guess now I'll say it in public. I was like, do you ever get on the escalator? And you like, like somebody's just standing where they should be walking. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, don't you just want to like stab them in the backs of the legs? And he's like, no, <laughs> that's not, I don't want to stab someone, Kirsten. And I was like, I wouldn't stab them, but I just, I feel that level of anger for people who are completely unaware of everyone else around them. Mm -hmm. So that's, that song is about like slitting you from ear to ear for just doing something shitty. It's really a therapeutic song in the sense that I just get to say the things that I would do if, you know, I didn't have a conscious, I didn't know violence was wrong. I didn't know how to regulate my own emotions or needs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, if I wasn't a developed adult that like deep, visceral probably like lives just you know above my clitoris anger that like I feel when people you know don't hold doors walk in the bike lane like uh, text while they're while we're out for dinner like just common etiquette and common courtesy that people lack yes uh, that's what's growing more and more each year in the ev city everywhere absolutely. that I go <laughs> every day that I wake oh, so, up so it's not just here in Toronto it's like other places as well oh right, yeah whenever I travel I see like on you know you're in the airports seem to bring out the absolute worst I, I will agree yeah I, I feel the same way children I think children adult like the minute you go through the doors like ding 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 and all of a sudden you're a child like yeah. any way that you would react to your mom like mom like seems to just be every adult at the airport great writing material that's fantastic but you can't do anything you're so limited it's the one place you have to be so well behaved 
one of my old photographers used to get so irritated with me because I would like he could just see me seething, mm-hmm. like just seething at the airport. He's like, "This is the one place where you could go to jail if you react or say something negative. Yeah. So don't fuck with the customs people and just be quiet." I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's good. Um, the last question, I mm-hmm. guess, to wrap it all up. Uh, obviously, you've thought a great deal about how these songs land on people, like, and. Uh, like, I guess, what would you want people to kind of take away from your themes and in your lyrics in general? Like, what would you, what would you want people to kind of feel? Um, that it's, that you should really write from your heart and that you shouldn't be too, that sounds so cheesy. It's, you know, it's, you but really? sometimes it's exactly right. Continue. I mean, like, I'm not trying to write love songs and I'm definitely not trying to make you cry. I'm trying to get you to pay attention to, to conversations that a lot of people don't like to have. Um, they don't like to touch the ucky, mucky, icky things. It's very scary for people to confront a lot of these um, these themes, um, whether it's feminism or, or patriarchy or, or you know, the abuse of First Nations people within our country. It's hard. It's hard to talk or even look at yourself and how you affect those things. So I just want people to walk away noticing, being a little bit more aware and hopefully paying attention to the fact that we all have work to do on ourselves and we all have work to do in the, in the, in the bigger, in the bigger group that we are. And that just, you know, one person isn't the problem. It's the group that's the problem. So if I'm calling you out as a cis white male or I'm calling out the patriarchy and you, you're our dude, I'm not calling you out, but you have to understand what you represent within the bigger group. You, you're part of this group that represents the oppression. I just want you to be aware of that. I'm not saying it's your fault. I just want people to walk away understanding their privilege and and maybe starting to have those uckier, muckier conversations, even just with themselves. Okay. Kirsten, thanks Jesse, so much. No problem, bud. Okay. <laughs>
Sound design and theme music by Dave Grabowski, produced by myself and Ty Trumbull. We hope you enjoyed listening. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, email us at transcanadamusic at gmail.com. 